We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the network. This is my show, AFA at the Core. Glad to be with you. Hey, don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. AFR.net is where you can find my AFA at the Core podcast. We usually post that uh, within an hour after the show is finished there on our website. The uh, podcast is also pushed out to the uh, mobile application, the AFR app, which you can get as well. It's free. takes you about two or three minutes to download. Um, And then lastly, we push out the podcast on multiple different platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple, and Android uh, podcast stores. So we we got the podcast out there, so there's there's pretty much no way, as long as you have access to internet, uh, no way you can't get access to the show. So that's a good thing. And then, of course, we're live streaming the video on the American Family Radio Facebook page and the AFA at the Core YouTube channel. Those two places we live stream the video here. Uh, Marty, uh, one of our producers here, is running the video in studio with us and keeping us up and running on the video side of things. Hey, by the way, uh, we're not just talking... We're not just uh, trying to beat down the darkness and, uh, and and fight evil. We are also producing alternatives, and that's one thing we're doing with our video platform here. Is you know we don't uh, here around American Family Association we don't just complain about what's going wrong in our culture. We do things to try to fix it. Uh, and one thing we're doing is we're building our own video platform. So the days of Facebook and YouTube having a stranglehold over the video streaming content world, uh, those days are coming to pass. And we're building our own video platform. I've been previewing it in the last few weeks. Um, and, and we're going to be able to live stream, eventually, live stream the show, AFA at the Core, and other shows on the video platform. And we'll also be able to uh, publish all kinds of other video content on our video platform. Uh, so that's coming up here. We will not always be reliant on Facebook and YouTube for our video. Eventually, in the coming months, we will have our own video platform where we can publish the content from the show and from other uh, different kinds of uh, resources here on the network, American Family uh, Radio. Our verse of the week, before I get moving too fast here, is out of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 is uh, where we'll be reading from, Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing to your flesh. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 37 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So uh, don't be wise and proud in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's the wisdom coming out of the book of Proverbs. Uh, Hey, next segment, we're going to have on Pastor Jim Doman out of California or Domin, I'll ask him how he pronounces his last name, D-O-M-E-N. We're going to have him on next segment. He's a pastor 
out of California. He's got an amazing testimony about God, about how the Holy Spirit intervened, flipped his life right side up, and he is doing work for the Lord, and he has a lot of people trying to silence him. We're going to talk to Pastor Jim Doman next segment about his testimony and what's going on out in California and about what God is doing in his life. So that's an exciting story, testimony, we're going to have next segment. Jumping right into the content for today, at least for this first segment, I want to continue talking about what's going on in Afghanistan. You know, there's this narrative. Uh, the State Department had a press conference last night. Uh, Anthony uh, Antonin Blinken, I believe is his name. I know his last name's Blinken. Uh, the Secretary of State had a press conference yesterday evening, and, you know, this was— uh, this leadership is lousy. Our our government's leadership, they're lousy. They act like they don't know what they're doing. Um, there's, there, it seems like they're all incompetent. I mean, it's it's just a terrible showing to be representing the United States of America. We're supposed to have, we're, we have the best country, the best military, the best uh, constitution. Um, but our leaders now under the Biden administration, I mean, these guys are a joke. And our, you know our foreign adversaries are not taking these people serious um, because they get up at these press conferences, they have these meetings, and they just babble and they talk and they act like they don't know what on earth they're doing and they can't answer half of the questions that are asked of them. But nonetheless, we've been told that any American that wants out of Afghanistan can get out of Afghanistan. That's been the narrative. And so it's almost this insinuation that if you haven't gotten out of Afghanistan as an American citizen, it's because you want to stay there. Um, and that is simply not true. That is absolutely not the case. And we have evidence to prove that. Um, jumping into our clip list today, this is a retired Navy aviator, Brett Odom. He's on Fox News saying that he knows Americans uh, that couldn't get into the Kabul airport in the last few days. This is clip three. Let's listen. We did reach out to the State Department. They referred us to a Twitter statement by U.S. Ambassador to Afghan Ross Wilson, which said, quote, this is a high risk operation. Claims that American citizens have been turned away or are denied access to uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport by embassy staff or U.S. forces are false. Brett, is that true or false? Well, as of about 3 o'clock Eastern time this morning, it was definitely false. I have a family of four that were outside the gate. We were networking furiously. Every channel that we knew, some with folks, had channels into CENTCOM and other operations. And these folks were not allowed in the base. The base is shut down. So it's there's, there's Americans who are being left behind. And this is not political for me. There's a lot of stupidity that's going around. But I think everybody who is a citizen of this country should demand that we bring our people home. And that includes our Afghan allies. We need to honor the promise that we made. Well, there you have it, a retired Navy aviator, Brett Odom, saying it's absolutely not true uh, that all Americans could have gotten out. That's absolutely not true. He says he knows Americans still on the ground that couldn't get into the airport. Um, so this narrative out there being put forth by the administration and by the media that anybody who wanted to get out, sure, they can absolutely get a ride out. That's just not true. That's just not true. And by the way, um, since when have the Taliban been our friends? I mean, things just flipped in the matter of weeks to where we view the Taliban. Our government is talking about the Taliban as if they are a, a foreign ally, as if they are Germany, as if they are Japan. 
I mean, this is absolutely astonishing. They're talking about diplomacy with the Taliban. The Taliban, they desire respect. I mean, th- who, who are we kidding? What world are we living in? We went into Afghanistan 20 years ago to slaughter the Taliban. That was the mission. That was the goal, right? Because the Taliban, they fostered Osama bin Laden. They fostered the whole 9-11 thing. That's what we were told. But here we are 20 years later. We're talking about the Taliban like they're our bud. Like they're, like they're respectable. They can negotiate. They're humane. They're willing to have human rights and decency. And that's just not the case on the ground. You talk to people who are in Afghanistan, who fought the Taliban. These guys are brutal. They killed American soldiers, 2,000 of them. It was the Taliban um, that did all this and that set up IEDs to kill our troops, uh, that, that, that uh, frequently ambushed our troops, and this was the Taliban. Uh, they were the guys that we were over there fighting. They were the enemy. They were the bad guys. And then in the last few weeks, man, this thing's turned where now the Taliban's our friend. We, we got to use the Taliban to secure the airport. We got to get permission from the Taliban to take off from the airport. We got to get permission from the Taliban to get Americans out. I mean, this has totally been turned uh, to where we're, we're relying on the Taliban as if they're our ally, and that is not true at all. The Taliban, they completely hate the West, and they hate America, which is why they've been trying to kill us uh, for the last 20 years, at least kill our troops over there um, in harm's way. Hey, I came across this article or this letter put out by 90 retired flag officers calling on General uh, Mark Milley and General our Secretary Lloyd Austin to resign over Afghanistan. Reading directly from this uh, news report on the letter, uh, the letter published by Flag Officers for America, which is an entity, argues that Austin and Milley either did not do enough to persuade President Joe Biden away from a hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan or should have resigned in protest if the president insisted on his plan despite their pleas to the contrary. With the credibility of the United States in tatters, the letter lamented that the consequences of Afghanistan will reverberate for decades. The letter concludes by calling Austin and Milley to resign in the name of holding those in charge responsible and accountable for their actions or inactions. There must be accountability at all levels for this tragic and avoidable debacle, the letter concluded. So there you have 90 retired flag officers calling on uh, General Milley and Secretary Lloyd Austin to resign uh, over this disgraceful situation that could have all, uh, much of it could have been avoided had we had people in charge making decisions in the best interest of America and in the best interest of our service members. Uh, Much of this could have been avoided. The uh, uh, flashback Tuesday clip I got to bring in today or I brought in today uh, that Bobby cut up for us is... Now, uh, now president, but then candidate uh, Joe Biden, the day before, or really the day of, the morning of the election in November 2020, uh, Joe Biden, candidate Biden, is in uh, Scranton. Um, uh, where's Scranton, Bobby? Pennsylvania. Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I knew the city, didn't know the state. Uh, uh, Biden was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, the morning of election day. And he's doing this speech out on the street like he did multiple times. Actually, not that often, but sometimes. But this speech about decency, I'm bringing decency back to the White House. All the all the, the narrative about he's going to bring things together. We're going to unify the country. We're going to rid America 
of COVID, of the pandemic. Uh, we're going to bring this economy humming back. Let's listen to uh, Joe Biden talking about restoring decency to the White House. I ran for three reasons I'm going to stop and not keep you out here. Number one, I said when I announced I wanted to restore the soul of the country, but I wouldn't be melodramatic. All I meant was restore basic decency and honor to the White House. And that's why we ran. The second reason we ran is we got to restore the backbone of the country. You all know it. You know, the middle class built this country. Wall Street didn't build it. The middle class built it. And unions built the middle class. And they're getting clobbered right now. They're getting clobbered. The third reason I'm running is what I want to talk upbeat about today, and that is uniting this country. We have to unite the country. We can do it. I think the country's ready. So two things from that clip. That's our flashback clip, by the way. Two things from this clip. The president, now, then candidate, promised us he was going to do two main things. He's going to bring decency and honor and respect back to the Oval Office. And he's going to unite the country. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound novel? Doesn't that sound amazing? Unite the country, bring decency back to the Oval Office. What he's done is do the exact opposite. He has brought shame on our country, shame onto the Oval Office, and he has done everything but unite this country. Every action he takes divides the country. He cuts off the Keystone XL pipeline, slashes thousands of jobs, hundreds of billions in revenue uh, for some of the uh, northern states. He does that. Our borders wide open. Our Customs and Border Patrol agents... Uh, can't even catch up. They're arresting thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants every single day. The drug cartels are running rampant. Our economy is in shambles. It might be kind of recovering and teetering and bouncing back, but everything Biden does hurts the economy. Prices of goods are going up. Middle-class families are paying more for groceries and more for gas now. We've got this Afghanistan debacle. We've got 13 dead service members. This is a disaster. And this just shows you, next time you see a politician, especially with a D by their name, saying they're going to unify and they're going to bring dignity and honor, you better check them because their rap sheet, their record, is not one of dignity, honor, and respect. AFA at the core. We'll be back in a few minutes. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Kids don't typically receive a holistic education on all things finance. More often than not, kids are sitting at their lemonade stand already planning how to spend a quarter before they've even earned a nickel. While there are kid-friendly investment apps, budgeting sticker sheets, and piggy banks, it's ultimately how your family treats money that form her habits. For some families, the question isn't, do we need this or can we afford this before making a purchase? It's, do we want this? This way of thinking can lead to a disconnect from financial realities that can result in some seriously irresponsible and ungenerous adults. As Christians, we're called to lead our lives in the love and service of others. Part of raising a generous, godly girl is financial literacy. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. I'm a widow. I've worked for a bank for 31 years, and I've been retired now for 10 years. Myrtle Norris comments on her experience with the AFA Foundation. I had a lot of financial questions, and Dan Celia was, um, he answered my questions, and he helped me with a lot of decisions that I made. And then the charitable gift came up, and he explained that to me. I decided to get it, and I'm sure glad I did, because I know now that money is in a place that I know God wants it to be, and also get my monthly income from it. I believe in the AFA and what they're doing, because they're working for us. Learn how the AFA Foundation can work for you. You can contact the AFA Foundation through Facebook on our website, afafoundation.net, or call us at 800-326-4543, extension 345. Thank you for supporting the American Family Association. AFA at the Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to be back with you for this second segment of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio. Hey, back in studio with me. I missed you last week, Wesley, but back in studio with me is my brother, Wesley Wildman. <coughs> Glad I to have you I feel better now. <laughs> no, I was no, at- you, you got through the Rona. Yeah, I got through the Rona. Easy peasy. Um, now, also, too... I- the half the week before that, I was traveling. You are in Wichita, I, Kansas. I was in Wichita, Kansas at an AFA event. Uh, got to meet a lot of our listeners, our supporters there. It was a great time being there. We've got several other events coming up here this fall. Go to afa.net slash events or afa.net slash events. You can find out where I'll be and where me, myself, and um, there's a couple other people going with me. Uh, Mickey, Will. That's at least two. That's at least two. You, you me, and myself. <laughs> I was thinking about the movie there. <laughs> but um, uh, Mickey and Will, Jade. Travis, few other of our staff members, we're traveling around to meet our supporters, and we would love for you to be there. And those are the date nights, right? Those are the date nights. Awesome. Yep. So you can go to afa.net forward slash events and see a couple of those date nights that we have left through the remaining of this year. Hey, Wesley, I want to welcome on the line with us uh, Pastor Jim Doman. And uh, Pastor uh, is on with us from California. Uh, Pastor, are you there? Hey, hey Huntington Beach, California. Huntington Peach, California. Awesome. Hey, Pastor, uh, uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Doman. Doman. Okay, I, I had it right. Just ch- double-checking there. 
Hey, Pastor, you've been uh, in the in the ministry since 2004. You've got a powerful testimony that, that I've read up about. I'm a little bit familiar with your work. Uh, but for our listeners, just give a little bit of your background, uh, where you came from, where you are now, what God's done in your life. Yeah, God's a miracle worker. Amen, gentlemen? Amen. Praise God. That's right. He, uh, yeah, I grew up in a Christian family uh, here in Southern California, um, and in junior high started struggling with same-sex attraction. I went into the homosexual lifestyle at the age of 23, uh, was in the gay life for at least five years, so age 28. My partner, we, we kind of pretended we were married because uh, marriage wasn't legal at the time and for uh, same-sex couples. And I, um, he was HIV positive, hepatitis C positive. Those are both not good diseases. Mm. Um, but God spared me from those in June 8, 2002. God broke me. He took everything from me, called me back to him. And I told, I'll never forget in Palm Springs, California, I laid on a floor of an apartment building, looking up the ceiling with only the clothes on my back. And I said, God, I'm yours again. Fast forward a little bit. I got married to, uh, my beautiful bride, God's gift from heaven in 2009. My wife and I have been married for 12 years. We have three beautiful children, two daughters and a son. And um, I try to do my best to live my life for God and glorify Jesus and all that we do and say. Hey, let me say, this is Wesley Wildman, not to get me confused with Walker Wildman, who's my brother here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just want to say how... When I was watching your video clips, um, and particularly yours of your testimony, and then I saw a couple other videos that had you in it as well. I just, uh, right away, just the way that you carry yourself and the way you communicate this particular topic and the way you, uh, you use Scripture and the way you handle yourself, I couldn't help but to think of the passage that, said, that Jesus said, you'll know them by my fruits. And then, uh, mm-hmm. of course, there are places Amen. in the Scripture where uh, you got the uh, fruits of the Spirit, and you can look at those and see, you know, what are, what are the fruits that Jesus is talking about? Well, there's a bunch of them right there. And I just want to tell you how um, inspired I am and how encouraged I am to see you handle this particular topic of the LGBT issue in a way that is not just um, truthful. Uh, you convey the truth, um, but you also do so in a way that's compassionate and understanding. And who better, more than God could use than you who has actually come out of the lifestyle, and you can speak specifically to those uh, inclinations and those um, desires that are unpleasing to God and how you can operate in this arena. And God has used you and will continue to use you. And I just want to tell you, praise God for you, and I'm so grateful for your ministry. Amen. Thank you, Wesley. You gave me the chills just sharing that. And let me just share with you, I want my story to bring parents and, and loved ones hope that change is possible, and I think God is in the in the process of doing a huge movement of bringing people out of sinful and sinful behavior yeah. sexually. Mm-hmm. And I just see the spirit moving. And there's a I, I'm an old guy now. I'm in my forties, <laughs> but there's a there's a there's a ton of young men and women who have experimented and done things they shouldn't have, and they're coming out of that lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they're on fire for Jesus. It is so excited to see not only in this country, but globally around the world. Yeah, Pastor, there's there's a narrative out there um, in, in the world, and, and, and this narrative probably percolates in the church a little bit, but uh, the narrative that you really can't change. Mm. You know, change is difficult. It's it's nearly impossible. You just can't change or you shouldn't change. But 
But the, the whole story of redemption and, and God's work and the power of the Holy Spirit and the whole reason Jesus died on the cross for our sins is so that we could change, mm-hmm. uh, so that Amen. God could come in and transform our lives. So uh, talk a little bit about how about your transformation. I mean, because this was not an overnight experience. I mean, the Holy Spirit came in your life, uh, but you still had to work through a lot of these issues. Talk about that. Yeah, I did. I mean, I dealt with same-sex attraction since junior high, um, at least in seventh grade, and and this was in a pre-digital age with cell phones and things like that. But when I came back to the Lord, I still had same-sex attraction, and I had needs that had never been met that I still needed to get met, and the Church really played a pivotal role in having healthy relationships with men as a grown mm. man, as a 28-year-old man connecting with men in healthy ways, healthy heterosexual ways, and knowing that my sin was no different than theirs. It was just the issues were different. Um, And so that really helped me grow. There's been some great ministries I got connected with, some Christian counselors who helped me choose heterosexuality. Nobody forced me. I wanted to change. I wanted wanted a different life. Um, And then there's a program, if you've heard of the the name Andrew Kaminsky, uh, Jeffrey Stream Ministries. I went through their Living Waters, their cross-current programs, um, incredible to help deal at the, at the deep uh, psychological issues, deep spiritual issues, deep um, family and generational issues, to work through that and really g- grow in my steps to freedom, I'll say, in Christ. And there's actually another, Neil Anderson, Steps to Freedom in Christ, is another great um, workbook to lead men through, and women for that matter, and trying to walk in the freedom that Jesus gives us, and that our identity isn't Jesus and not who we're sleeping with. Hey, Pastor Jim, so there were a couple years back, I lose track of time, maybe five or six years ago, there was this really big conversation for several weeks amongst evangelical Christians on the topic of, now it's still it's still there, but there it was in the media and everywhere of conversion therapy or reparative therapy. And I remember just uh, listening back and forth. That was the beginning stage of me trying to understand what that was and how that uh, how that reconciles with Scripture and things like that. Um, and I just uh, wanted to get your understanding and your experience of having that freedom and that opportunity for somebody to walk you through what you were trying to overcome and how beneficial that was for you. And let me let me make a couple clear points. And the media freaks out when I say this. Conversion therapy doesn't exist. Okay, it, it, it is a term that the left has used. The liberal left, the leftists yep. have used and hijacked the term to mm. say all these sinister, evil things are being done to yep. people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Oh, I, I'm part of a global ministry in the present, the Global Rainbow Crossers Alliance. So we have 52 nations around the world. I've yet to meet one person <laughs> who's ever even experienced conversion therapy. When I went through counseling, that phrase, that word set, prepared a therapy, none of that was ever used. Mm-hmm. My counselor asked me, what did I want to do? And what we call it is counseling choice. Yes. I wanted yeah. you to be heterosexual. Help me on that path. What does that look like? Wow. To deal with same-sex attraction is not immutable. God's immutable. God doesn't change. That's right. But people can change if we have the Holy Spirit within us. Mm-hmm. Or even if we're seeking change, change is possible because it's a relational developmental issue, not a, a, a innate or um, a genetic issue. It's You can change your sexuality. And even with the what we're seeing with people who deal with trans um, or sex confusion issues, 
that that they when they when they it might be a phase or a stage in life they come out of that. That's why it's so horrifying to hear that children are being pumped up with chemicals and hormones oh, and awful. trying to change them or even remove their body parts when this could only be a, a, a phase in their life. So all that to say is I support counseling choice, Amen. and then I'm going to be really honest with you. If someone wants to be gay, let them. God lets us choose. We can choose him or not him. We can choose his plan, which is, you know, a man-woman marriage, and if it's not that celibacy, if not, I mean, think about that freedom God's given his people, yeah. let alone any person on this planet. You can choose what you want to do with your life. Yeah. And I just, I just think that shows God's level of love, but yet he gives us the freedom to choose. Yeah, and just and if qu- somebody wants to choose sin, that's their choice. Yeah, and that, just a quick follow up. I know there's some other questions in the room here, but that was my conclusion when I when I got to the bottom of it. I was like, if somebody's seeking help, allow them to get help. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? That, that so, may, that's too common, it, brother. That's <laughs> yeah. simple. Yeah, too much common sense yeah. there, Bobby. But but what we're seeing this trend in government of trying to prohibit, imprison, punish people, yeah. as if mm. as we talk about my federal That's lawsuit, right. you know, you've got internet companies targeting people who say, We don't agree with your narrative, we're gonna delete you. We're not gonna delete you, we're gonna wipe out your whole ministry's account. Go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, it's um uh... We don't have the clip that we had uh, pulled together on, on Stephen Black this morning, but uh, we've got a consolation prize, and we're going to have a, uh, a link uh, to the segment after the, uh, after the podcast is posted within that. Within that, that'll have not only that clip, but also a number of clips that Pastor Jim is talking about uh, yeah. uh, relative to this discussion that I think will uh, help enlighten a lot of people in this regard. You amen. Know, uh, amen. Hey, you know, Pastor, it's, it's really telling that— um, the the narrative amongst the seculars, uh, the secularist about uh, you know not people not being able to change or not wanting to change, and really the whole resistance sure. to change, um, to me, um, that's that that's indicative or, or 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 shows us that change is possible. Otherwise, they wouldn't be freaking out about it. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, for the longest time, the left has said. Well, you know, this is a, this is genetic. This can't be changed, and you're born this way. Well, why are they indoctrinating children with homosexual sex, specifically in California, starting in kindergarten in the public school? Think right. about how insidious this is. Yeah, that they are Wicked. sexualizing children, and we're seeing unprecedented numbers of LGBTQ people proclaiming this. Is like, wait, how does that happen? Because they know down deep the truth is you can change. And yeah. if you sexualize children, you can push them in that direction. Yeah, that that's the big lie. And because to your yep. point, to your point, Pastor, they're indoctrinating the children. So it's not like we're all going neutral here. They, <laughs> they tell the parents, you know, you just need to let them be whatever they want to be. But then they go to school and they're being told they need to be homosexual <laughs> or transgender. Yeah. Or they're not included. So that's why this whole idea of 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 people being neutral and staying out of it, you know, not no proselytizing all those types of phrases to paralyze Christians is, is not true because there is somebody's ideology, somebody's worldview, somebody's yes. biblical understanding of how the world, how the way God designed it will dominate. Somebody's yeah. will dominate. Yeah, there's no neutral laws. Yeah. Uh, somebody's a winner. Sure. Somebody's a loser. Hey, pastor, tell us about your court case with Vimeo yes. over some of the uh, 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 videos you published on the Vimeo platform. 
Yeah, so I started a ministry called Church United, uh, Church United, churchunited.com, if anyone wants to look it up. But this ministry helps California pastors engage in government. Amen. Again, we don't tell them what to do. They engage. So I love the video uh, story, their stories of impacting California. We're actually growing. We're growing national. I'm excited how God's doing the movement he's doing with his church in California. So I was telling all these stories of pastors across the state, you know, 40 million people. And one of the stories was my story of just, hey, I'm a former homosexual. I came out of the lifestyle. I posted it on there along with some other pastors. Vimeo on Black Friday, 2017, the day after Thanksgiving, says in 24 hours, we're going to wipe out, delete every video you've ever made in these last three years, 89 videos, because of your story and at least four other stories, maybe even more, we're completely deleting and shutting down your account. So they did. In the first week of December, I really believe it was targeted. As you know, December's are like holiest month of the year. The birth of Jesus, Christians celebrated around the world. Mm. And that's, that's for nonprofits that's the, and churches. That's the biggest giving month, and they totally shut us down. And it affected us financially. So this is, mind you, back in 2018, so we, I filed a sexual orientation discrimination lawsuit and a, a uh, <laughs> nice, religious discrimination <laughs> lawsuit. If we're California and New York, because Vimeo is national and they're based in New York and we are here in California, well, we've lost. Um, it got kicked to New York, a very liberal court system. We've lost all the way up and we're praying and hoping our appeal to the United States Supreme Court will bring some justice on earth. That yeah. people should be able to express openly, if they're Christian, if they're conservative, if they're a former homosexual, whatever their story without being censored and banned Amen. by uh, big tech. Yeah, yeah, they, these 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 are platforms. They try to cover themselves as, well, they actually try to present themselves as platforms, but they're publishers. Uh, they're publishers. They're acting as publishers. Yeah, and they're activists. They and, they're, and they're ideologically driven, and they censor content that they don't like on their platform, on their on their publishing pages, which is, which is their right, but don't act like a platform, to your point, in your lawsuit. Uh, don't act like a public platform, uh, a town square where everybody can talk, uh, but then tell you that you can't talk about something that's perfectly appropriate. Hey, Pastor well, Jim. Walker, this sure. has been happening to at least to me for at least a decade, more than a decade, I'll wow. say, with my story. But finally, an internet company was as brazen and as bold. But now what we've seen since Trump is, uh, was in office, what, what they're really doing, and hey. I think Americans' eyes are being opened to the censorship. Hey, pa- hey, Pastor Jim, real quick, we're going to break. Give us your website again where the people can be go to. Uh, they can go to churchunited.com. Or my name, jimdoman.com. Thanks, Pastor. God bless. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. If you want a building done right, you hire builders. Unless you've done it before, you probably shouldn't try to build it on your own. 
Jordan Shambly says we should be relieved that when it comes to the church, Jesus is the builder, we're the stones. Our job is to obey the master builder. Jordan shares what all that means in his article, The Builder of the Church. You can read it and let it encourage you at engagemagazine.net, engagemagazine.net. Hi, my name's Eric. And I'm Kendra. And we have been married a little over two years now. Honestly, I think the the most challenging part of our marriage so far, we're right in the middle of it. We're trying to have kids right now. I have a spinal cord injury, so that makes things a little more difficult. And um, I just am, am dealing with some issues with infertility. The difficulty is on my end. But it's our infertility. But it is our, yeah. Because we're right. one now. <laughs> and I, I think what's really helped us through this is keeping Jesus at the center Mm -hmm. of it all and knowing that anything that causes you to lean and depend on Jesus more is actually a blessing. Yes. It's heartening to to know that I have someone who's, she's on my team. Tune into By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hey, we're Casting Crowns. We believe that with God, all things are possible, even freedom from addiction. I started to use meth daily, and then I was not able to hold a job, so that led me to just having nothing, no purpose. I just looked rough. I wasn't eating right, probably wasn't showering right. I couldn't go home because my parents didn't want to see me like that. I always had to sleep couch to couch, and I was going nowhere. The only saving me was Teen Challenge because I've tried everything else. As I strengthen my relationship with Jesus, I have a purpose now, and I got to give the glory to God because what he has done for me through Teen Challenge is amazing. I'm a miracle. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. There are hundreds of locations across the country that offer a variety of programs, and you can learn more at 855-END-ADDICTION or teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AFA at the Core on the American Family Radio Network. Or if you're the Democrats and the left, it's, hey, people, (laughs) hey, people, welcome back to the show. But no, 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 we're not going that path. Uh, We're going male and female, boy and girl, uh, man and woman, because that's how God created us. Uh, hey, that was a powerful testimony by Pastor Jim Doman Amen. from California. He's been censored. He's been attacked uh, because of his testimony about how God can change your life and changed his life and is continuing to, to use his testimony to change the lives of others. So uh, thanks for uh, Pastor Jim coming on the program, and we'll have him on again uh, as his court case against Vimeo goes up to the Supreme Court. Our prayer and hope is that they take up uh, that case. Hey, we got breaking news, and uh, this is fascinating, and I really don't have more than what I'm going to tell you, um, And but we'll find out more in the coming days um, is our hope. Two of the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, two of their most senior vaccine leaders are exiting from their positions raising fresh questions about the Biden administration and the way that it sidelined the FDA in the vaccine approval process. The two, I'm reading from a a news story there. That was the, that was the commentary, not mine. Um, The two fish officials 
Marion Grubber and Phil Cross collectively have more than 42 years of experience at the FDA. Gruber has served as the director of the agency's Office of Vaccines Research and Review since 2011, um, according to her LinkedIn profile. And Cross, her deputy, has been there since 2010. Both were directly involved with managing the review of coronavirus vaccine applications. So, Bobby, who knows what's going on there? So it sounds like they need to spend more time with their family is probably the, uh, the, oh, yeah, the answer. It's, it's yeah. totally not related to like the, the what's going on with the vaccines and their job. You know, it's probably they need to go vacation or they got a better offer somewhere. Uh, yeah, totally, totally not related to their job at the FDA at all. But uh, who, who knows? Oh, my goodness. Uh, we're going to track that story and – um, I would bet those two officials are going to be speaking to the media in the coming days, um, are using surrogates to speak to the media. Uh, so we'll track that. Um, and by the way, this is on the heels of of the CDC and the FDA and the NIH, uh, all those agencies, uh, fast-tracking these shots, uh, especially the Pfizer application, and totally skipping the uh, external review process that all vaccines have to go to, they're supposed to go through um, this external review process where they bring in a board of experts, um, of, of third-party experts that aren't don't, don't have any kind of financial vested interest or career vested interest in this vaccine approval process. They're supposed to bring these experts in, as Dr. McKe- Peter McCullough has talked about on this show before, supposed to bring them in and get their input and have these public review panels um, about uh, the vaccines. But instead, they completely the Biden administration completely skipped that process and rushed the Pfizer shot straight to approval without that third-party independent review process. So that may have something to do with these resignations, but we'll continue to track that. And as soon as we have um, an inclination or some information about that, We'll be sure to let you know. Um, jumping to another topic, um, in California, there was this uh, TikTok video, which I don't use TikTok, but uh, other people do, and they publish the videos uh, that they find on there. But uh, this teacher out in California, you know, you thought our school systems were struggling. They are really going downhill and going downhill quick. Um, and and this is not really a surprise. Um, many Many of our educational systems have been leaning left, going left, going Marxist for years now, uh, but the acceleration is really on because these people have no shame. Um, they really have no shame. They're emboldened by the Biden administration. Um, this teacher's name is Kristen Pitzen, P-I-T-Z-E-N, and she put out a TikTok video about how basically uh, she's indoctrinating a, a California's children and about how the, the, the American flag makes her uncomfortable uh, and she should pledge allegiance, that the students should pledge allegiance to queers instead. Let's listen to this teacher. This is clip four. It's Pride Month. I will never not be awkward. <laughs> That's fun for me. Happy Pride, everyone. It's June 1st, the start of Pride Month. Here's what I got going in my classroom. I got these flags from Target in like the dollar bin, so that's amazing. Um, they didn't have all of them in the collection that they came out with, so I got all the ones that they had as well as the inclusive pride flag. I pledge allegiance to the queers. I also got a really big pride inclusive ah, 
flag. Um, I need to put it up still, but it's gonna go up there and I need like a ladder. <laughs> so that's gonna come later, but it's here, yay! So I love you all very much for the people who are out, for the people who aren't out. You're appreciated, you're loved, you are enough. I support you, I got you. Send your queer friends. Oh, there you have it. That's a California teacher um, by the name of Christian Pitson. And uh, this is, uh, by the way, she is uh, in Southern California at Newport Mesa Unified School District. Um, she, this is, this is scary, folks. This is concerning. Let me just say that. This is concerning. Um, I don't want her within about 100 miles of my children. And I don't know about how you feel, but she doesn't need to be within 100 miles of my children. Because here's the reason. Our children are very, they're in in very formative years. They are in years uh, of their life, in their development, where they are very moldable, if that's a word. They are very shapeable. Um, They are very influenced. Um, And what we do with our children, how we teach them, how we disciple them, how we train them, um, it sticks in those younger years. Um, And so we don't need, I don't need my kids uh, being put in that situation uh, where you got this radical left loon teacher um, that they don't know what to do with and they're being told mixed messages. They come home and they hear about uh, uh, God's word and Christianity and the truth. Then they go to school and they hear this nonsense, this garbage. Uh, kids do not have to, should not have to be able to put up with this and should not have to be in this, in the middle of this struggle uh, between worldviews, between ideologies. And this is, this is he- taking us towards a time uh, where the public school system is going to be completely inappropriate for our children. If it's not already there, some would say it's already there, and you could probably make a strong case that it is. Um, and I know there is, there's tough, there's tough situations out there. Uh, you've got single parents who rely on the public school districts. Um, you've got a two, two parent, uh, a mom and a dad a household where even with their budget, with their finances, even they can't uh, justify or not justify, but, uh, make sense of, of bringing their kids home and quitting one of their jobs. There's a lot of factors that play into this decision making on your on your child's education. <clears throat> but let me just say this: as a parent, if you're not already considering what to do, how to do it, how to protect your children from these educational institutions, you need to seriously be thinking about it. You need to seriously be considering it. Uh, getting a sheet of paper out, planning it, seeing what it would look like. What would you possibly do if you had to pull your kids out of the public education system? That needs to be talked through. Um, we don't need to wait until it's too late uh, to to save and to salvage our kids from this damage. This has to be a top priority. The health, the, the, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, the physical health of our children should be a top priority in our families. Um, so, uh, th- th- these public schools are going downhill quick. Um, so I want to encourage all the parents out there with any children in K through 12 or even in college, uh, be talking about uh, what it would look like to pull those kids from public education. My wife and I, we're already having these conversations. We're already having these conversations pretty often about what it would look like for our children to not attend public education uh, for the betterment and the health uh, of our children. Uh, that's the discussion we're having, and so I want to encourage you to have it as well. Um, and we're not talking, you know, uh, this is not trivial stuff here. 
We're talking about our children. We're talking about the, the spiritual future of our children, uh, which is top priority, a uh, very, very important subject. And so we're not, you know, I'm, we're not talking about what kind of car you should drive, what kind of tennis shoes you should wear. Uh, we're talking about uh, the health and well-being of our children. So this is a very, very important subject uh, to talk about. Hey, a couple other stories I wanted to bring to our attention. The uh, I came across this, uh, actually this story, you know, I covered the eviction moratorium a couple of weeks ago on the program. Well, I told you the Supreme Court wasn't going to put up with it, and I was right. Uh, the Supreme Court struck down for the second time the illegal CDC uh, eviction moratorium that they put out. Um, and this is this is great news. You know, the media covers this eviction moratorium, and they cover all the sob stories about all the all the uh, renters out there that are getting booted from their apartments because they hadn't been paying rent for eight months or longer than that, actually, for almost a year. September of 2020 is when the CDC came out with this original eviction moratorium, which should have never happened to begin with. But the media covers all these sob stories. CNN runs this fake story about some mom up north that got kicked out of her apartment. Well, as it turns out, she's not even the mom. Uh, she wasn't even the mother of these kids. It was a fake story. Uh, she's some random lady that doesn't even live in the apartment. A uh, CNN cobbled together this fake story to get everybody sobbing. Well, what about the landowners? Why don't we have a sob story about the landowners who've gone bankrupt uh, because renters aren't paying their dues? Uh, let's cover that story, Bobby. But if we cover that story, then you would get both sides of the story, and then you might actually come out with a good opinion. Yeah, we can't have that balanced reporting. But it should come as no surprise to anybody that this due, uh, this bill was going to be due, that the that the piper was going to have to be paid. Yeah. Because all throughout all of this legislation, the caveat was always that it's not being excused. That's true. Yeah. It's it was always never being in arrears. It's just being accumulated. Correct. So there's no escape from this. So again, there should be no surprise. Plans should have been made to expect this and... Uh, when the bill came due, did anybody think to negotiate with their landlord about how they're going to do this? Yeah. Again, it's adulting 101. Yeah, and that's a lot of money. I mean, you talk about 12 months of rent that's substantial up. dollars. Uh, substantial. You, you, you know these people weren't saving that. No, They weren't putting that not. to the side. So if, if you were going to pay it, you would pay it as you go. Um, and let's remember, let's remember this as well. Uh, these are the same folks that were on juiced-up unemployment, all right? These are the same folks that were on the juiced up unemployment on steroids, uh, getting eight, nine hundred bucks a week to sit at the house on the couch and play Xbox. Exactly. And the minimum you can do is pay your rent. I mean, come on, guys. The minimum you can do is play, pay your rent with those federal tax dollars you're getting in your in your bank account uh, every couple of weeks. I mean, this is absolutely absurd. Our world is upside down. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And I think that's actually somewhere in Scripture, isn't it? Uh, about right being called wrong and wrong being called right or vice versa. Mm, in the times that we live in. Yeah. Um, so we need, we need maybe we'll have a landlord on. Maybe we'll have a, a landowner on to talk about all the income they missed uh, from the pandemic and from this illegal e eviction moratorium. Um, uh, so there you go. Supreme Court struck that down. So landlords are actually being able to evict, uh, which is the right thing to do because, after all, they are the landowners, the landlords. Um, another article I came across, pretty interesting, and not really anything we didn't already know, but the the author put it together pretty well. This is out of National Review, and uh, this columnist 
uh, put together, uh, basically, here, here's the headline. Uh, the bitter truth, there's still no rhyme or reason to COVID-19. And the author goes through how you've got all these different states across the country doing uh, some doing the same thing, others doing different things as far as their response to the pandemic. Uh, but about how in, at the end of the day, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, there's no controlling the virus is, is the point of this author. And he goes through and talks about you look at, uh, at New York's measures, at California's measures when it comes to their uh, their supposed, you know, uh, uh, measures to try to offset or slow down the spread of COVID-19. You look at their measures and then you look at like Florida or Mississippi or Texas, you know, some of these free states. And it's like two completely different strategies. One's like lock everybody down like we're communist China. Put the kids on your mask for 12 hours a day, no matter what. Uh, get the jab, get the jab. That's some states. Other states are like, hey, it's America still. If you want to get the jab, you can, but we're not going to force you to. And by the way, your kids don't have to wear a mask at school if they don't want to. So these two very different worlds, different states, different uh, uh, approaches to the pandemic, but the end results are basically the same, basically the same. And as a matter of fact, actually, these left-leaning states have a higher mortality rate um, amongst the elderly than, than red states. But I'm not saying it's because they're a blue state, uh, but this whole idea that this top-down approach, lock everybody down, force the mask on, everybody get the jab, close your churches, close your businesses, this whole idea that that's working is here and it's gone. And it's proven, it's verified that those draconian measures, they don't work against an upper respiratory virus. They just don't work. So that's the point of that story. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. Hey, it's been good to be with you today. If you want more information about the show, don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. And right there at the top of the page, you can see the AFA at the core podcast. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.